Grind with Martin and Marlo on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Getting fired, but I figured I'd have it all by the time I retired. I'd have me a car worth at least a hundred grand. I'd get it one piece at a time, and it wouldn't cost me a dime. You know it's me when I come through your town. I'm gonna ride around in style. I'm gonna drive everybody wild. Cause I'll have the only one there is around. In the non-boring city of St. Louis, you're on the midday grind. 590 the fan, 590thefan.com. Charlie Marlowe, Jim Hewer, Brian Hoffman, Matt Rocchio on the ones and twos, and our guy, Tuesdays with Kenny, Kenny Wallace. Joining us right now, Kenny, are you in the, what, the scrapyard? I I am right here in Valley Park. My shop my shop has, has a lot of scrap aluminum and metal in it because, you know, we rebuilt all the race cars this winter, and I couldn't take it any longer. So this morning it was, my gosh, it was like 40 degrees. I had my T-shirt on, went out, got a little suntan. <laughs> but anyway, so... So, yeah, we're down here by Valley Park, the Scrap Mart, and uh, I don't know what I'm going to get yet. I'm sitting in my pickup truck. I'm getting ready to go in there. But what's funny, what's funny is, is, you know, some of the scrap metal is the body off of my Toyota dirt car, my race car. And uh, the employees here, they're fans of racing, like, oh, my God, let us have that. So we put that stuff to the side (laughs) for them. (laughs) It's awesome. Kenny, because we always like to have fun with you, and look, racing, rubbing is racing. When there's rivalries, it makes it more fun, even if afterwards there's a spat every once in a while. Maybe there's a fight once a year. NASCAR pretends like they don't like that. They really probably do because it helps promote the sport. So my question is, and it's, it's, it's kind of fun. We're having fun with it all weekend long. When Chris Bryant calls St. Louis a yep. boring town, Yachty defends St. Louis. It adds a little intensity to the rivalry, even if it didn't need it. But what do you think of that whole spat this weekend? Well, number one, I'm sure Chris Bryan is a good guy and a great player. He just made a mistake. He can't. He cannot take it back now because there's no way anybody from Chicago can apologize to a St. Louis person. I get the rivalry. I think it's healthy. Uh, so he made a mistake. Uh, he, he probably just got to having a good time. And see, I, I've learned my lesson also. You can't say anything anymore because <laughs> it'd get from here to Hong Kong in one day. And, uh, he's, he, I guarantee you, he's probably like, oh my God, you know, because you never know. He might be playing for the Cardinals one day. And that's just the way it is, man. Uh, I remember a handful of years ago, uh, Clint Boyer, NASCAR driver, you know, a good friend of ours up here from Kansas. Clint talked total crap about uh, Michael Waltrip. Said Michael Waltrip was a no-drive and this, that, whatever. You know, you know Michael Waltrip's won two Daytona 500s. Michael is a good driver. And then, like, three years later, he ended up driving for Michael Waltrip. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think I think it was healthy. I, I think that it was really good for our sport. You know, Chris Bryant, you know, saying that St. Louis was boring because now we really know how much Yachty loves St. Louis. We knew Yachty loved St. Louis, but look, because Chris Bryant did what he did, now Yachty answered, and now we really know. Now now Yachty is, I mean, he's always been our man, but now he's like our godfather. I mean, he is the best. 
Yeah, Mike Schilt yesterday called him, or over the weekend called him the Yod Father. We should now just mm-hmm. uh, refer to him as the Yod Father. I was I was remembering yeah. a couple years back, wasn't somebody always getting into uh, Brad Keselowski? I, I'm wondering right now, currently in NASCAR, are there some feuds? I feel like the the Bushes are kind of unpopular. Are there certain drivers that really don't like other drivers or teams right now? Basically, uh, nobody in NASCAR. Now, listen, I got no enemies out there because I, I'm retired and I raced all these guys. I just want to make that clear. I'm just I'm just telling you what's going on inside the garage area because I do know all that. Uh, most of the drivers don't like Brad Keselowski, uh, you know, for one reason or the other. So uh, Kevin Harvick, he plays the UFC role. So Kevin Harvick, he owns Harvick Management. So Harvick, he is a manager for... Cowboys, hold on one minute. What's going on? I don't know. I was supposed to ask that myself. Is he talking to a guy there? He's talking to someone at the scrap metal yard. You're a good man. Yeah, thank you, man. They knew I was on the thing because I was in line to get the money. And I said, hey, I'm getting ready to go on 590 Pan I'm always advertising the fan, man, because it's the best show in St. Louis. Nice. So, so anyway, getting back to who the bad guys are in NASCAR, nobody likes Keselowski. But but the tough guy is Harvick, because Harvick, you know, he's the manager to uh, Cowboy, uh, you know, Cerrone and, and uh, all the UFC fighters. So you got Kevin Harvick, the race car driver, then he's also a businessman. It's called KHI Management. Go on Twitter, you'll find, find it right away. So, uh, Amisha Tate, you know, Harvick's got it going on. So, he plays the tough guy. He's ready to whip everybody. Uh, so, he, he does not like – Kevin Harvick does not like uh, Joey Logano. So, yeah, there's they're, they're the deal. Nobody likes Kozlowski. Harvick doesn't like Logano. And the beat goes on. We're talking with Kenny Wallace, Tuesdays with Kenny. Even though you're a, you're a dirt guy now, I'm I'm curious about just the NASCAR off season because I feel like it has yep. to be one of the shortest off seasons in all of sports. I feel like you have the championship, it's the holidays. Next thing you know, you blink and it's Daytona. What is that like, and what do drivers what do drivers do during that period? Is there something cardiovascularly or, or getting their body in shape? Is it just resting? What are they doing during the off season? You know what? I'm glad you just asked me this because a little bit ago I was looking at my phone. And um, it's that time of the year where all the drivers post on social media that they're working out. They're, you know, <laughs> us humans are weirdos. Anytime we work out, we got to tell the world mm-hmm. because it, mentally it makes us all look at me. I'm working out. Look at me. Look at me. I'm working out. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're in hell. So if you <laughs> if you know all the drivers right now, uh, I just saw that Amarillo. He was posting and showing he's working out. So. It's this time of the year where all the drivers want you to know that they mean it, they they want it so bad, and that they're working out. So, you know, that's what's going on right now. I mean, you know, uh, you know, NASCAR drivers are athletes. There's no doubt. We've already been down this road where people don't think we are, but we are. And uh, cardiovascular is everything. You know, we pull a couple Gs, especially at a couple G forces that. Dover, Delaware, a couple of G-forces there, like one and a half at uh, Bristol. 
these races are four and five hundred, six hundred mile long, uh, and so you got to be in good cardiovascular shape. Little muscle tone is not going to hurt, but it's not required. And uh, yes, they all work out hard. How how is it racing dirt versus NASCAR back in the day on your body after a race? And I'm guessing just with NASCAR, you have more car supporting you. Um, but you're going longer in a dirt car. It's smaller. Maybe the impact is more on on some of the collisions, but they're not as fierce because you're not going as fast as that. Am I close there? Yeah, no, you're right. So let's let's go back through history. Remember this: all legendary great race car drivers started on dirt. They all started at in Peebling, Missouri, at I-55 Raceway. They all started at Tri City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois. A.J. Foyt, Mario Andretti, Tony Stewart, Carl Edwards, they all start on dirt. And one thing that they all agree with is that it's like a six-to-one ratio. So, in other words, one lap on dirt racing is equal to maybe six laps on asphalt. Asphalt is a little easier on your body. Dirt racing, you know, you're out of control, but in control. And, you know, you're really working it. If you ever watch a driver on a, on a dirt car, you know, they're really working the steering wheel. Uh, they they appear like they're in control, but, you know, you're really on it. So one lap in dirt racing is a lot. Uh, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of physical aspects more in dirt racing. We're talking with Kenny Wallace, Tuesdays with Kenny. And I'm, I'm wondering here, growing up here, but then you moved to North Carolina, you lived there for, what, a couple decades, you come back. You're back to the 23 degrees over the weekend here, snow on the ground. I'm, I'm curious as to how Kenny Wallace deals with snow. And I'm thinking, because I've been to that garage there. you got multiple garages. you got every truck and toy in the business. I, I, I'm guessing you have some souped-up snowblower. You can go out there and just take care of it real quick. I don't. I have a, I'm, a, I'm a delegator. I'm a delegator. There you go. I trade. I uh, I Indian trade. I got a good huh. friend, PJ. PJ has got a great snow plow, and he's got uh, everything to put down on my driveway. So I trade things out with PJ, and, man, he is the best. Uh, you know, he, he does it for a living also, but he'll come by my, my property, and uh, he hasn't let me down yet. So, uh yeah, I don't do that stuff anymore. I just work hard, make the money so I can pay it forward and pay people to do it for me. So, uh, know my family up in Milwaukee, they're thrilled to death and proud of their snowblowers, and that's fine. But as you know, I got a lot more driveway than the normal person. Absolutely. Let's finish with that uh, we haven't done in a while. The most redneck thing Kenny Wallace has done here recently. Oh, man. I just, I mean, I've been doing it all day long. I've been doing like a. Tom Brady has been doing. I've been blowing snot right out my nose onto the concrete because <laughs> because I'm in between. I'm I'm in a shop where the heat's at, then I'm outside where it's thirty something degrees, and all of a sudden I I just can't sniff anymore. I'm like hell with it, you know. Hold your nose on one side of your natural haka loogie out your nose and and just be proud of it because we're working, man. And that's that's about as redneck as it gets. Love it. Kenny, thanks for your time as always, sir. The people love it on the text line. Everybody loves Tuesdays with Kenny. I love you all, too. Uh, Go Blues and uh, spring training. Cardinals right around the corner. Yes, sir. About three, four weeks. Appreciate it, sir.
Okay, bye-bye. All right. That is uh, Kenny Wallace, Tuesdays with Kenny. Also want to tell you about our guy, Mark Milton. Are you currently sideways with the IRS? Do you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night? Are you facing tax liens, bank levies, or wage garnishments? If so, you should contact former Department of Justice Tax Division attorney Mark Milton at stltaxlawyer.com. Mark Milton provides a local and holistic approach to tax resolution. Don't be sucked into the out-of-town tax resolution groups you hear on the TV and radio. Mark lives and works right here in the Kirkwood area. We can see his spot, his office right here from the studio. If you have IRS problems, visit stltaxlawyer.com today. Remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Midday Grind, 590 The Fan, 590TheFan.com. Talking it over with Kenny Wallace. We had Austin Martz from St. Louis FC, Charlie Marlowe, Jim Hewer, Brian Hoffman, Matt Rocchio. We need to amp up the energy here, man. Okay, Rocchio, you came in here. Rocchio, what happened? Hoffman over here. Uh-oh. Did you guys have rough nights? What's going on? I mean, here we no, go. Nothing, nothing, nothing went on. Just <laughs> very mellow. No, nothing, nothing. Just a normal Monday. It's unlike you. It's you usually jumping and ready to go. You ever well, just wake, you ever wake up tired? I had to work early yes. in the morning. I woke up tired this morning. That's one of those days, yes. right? I, I just woke up. Yeah, I had to wake up at like 4.45. So. I wasn't that early, but I woke up tired this morning. And Rocky stayed up late to watch Lakers-Warriors, I'm sure. No, I, I, I wake up early. Oh, okay. I had to wake up at 4.45. So yeah. But did you watch that game? No, I didn't. I had to wake, really? I, had to to bed, I, had, I went to bed at like 10. That surprises me. Really? I'm a, ba- I'm a baby. If I, if I, if I got to get up at like 5 a.m., I got to get in bed by like 10. I can't function if I don't get like at least six hours of sleep. We got to change that. No, that's no, we I'm, have I'm to very change okay. that. No, I'm very okay with that. That way, I can always get six hours of sleep. What are you talking about? What's wrong? What's what's wrong with that? It's it's. I don't. There's nothing else in my lifestyle that's healthy except for the fact that I get at least like <laughs> seven or eight most days. That's that's the the most health. That's the healthiest thing I do. That's a saving grace for you, yes, right? Exactly. Okay. All right. Before we get to the end of the day, I saw this tweet, which I thought was pretty funny, and a PFT commenter also made a comment about it. For my money, he's about the funniest person on Twitter, especially uh, for sports. The Draft Network texting out, uh, Missouri quarterback Drew Locke was asked a question. This is at the uh, the Senior Bowl. Missouri quarterback Drew Locke was asked a question that started with, your legs are an underrated part of your game. Locke looked right at him, winked, and did a finger gun point as the question was finished. PFT comments are saying, impossible to be more alpha than this. <laughs> so he kind of did your shooter McGavern. <laughs> Right? Finger guns. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's right. Let's start talking about uh, my running ability a little more. And I have to say, if if you guys had to bet right now, because we know about the Strick versus Frank bet for Drew Locke to be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. And when they started making the bet and talking about it, I, I thought, I, I think Drew Locke's going in the first round. The more you see mock drafts, you start to see the other guys that have entered the draft, and whether it's Kyler Murray... But now I don't know if I'm trending now more towards Strick if he falls out of the first round. The thing with quarterbacks, though, is you just know people fall in love with quarterbacks. But it seems like it's trending the wrong direction right now when you kind of read the tea leaves. It is going back the other way because right as the season was getting ready to end and we were going through bowl season, it was trending higher and higher and higher. And then Kyler Murray gets thrown into the mix. You're like, oh, well, uh, that knocks Drew down. And then you now we're doing all the measurables. And you're hearing about hand size. Small hands. Yeah, all this other stuff. And 
I'm not an expert on on judging quarterbacks over the years. Some some I've been really wrong on, but the one thing I do know is at some point you gotta say this guy was pretty good overall as a player on the field. Uh, did he win the big games? No, but you look at the numbers he put up and you just go, he's better than just about anybody else that was coming out at this point. I mean, when Deshaun Watson came out, he dropped like a rock after the season ended. But at the time, I said, this guy's got to be the, the number one pick what because Lox- he was the winningest guy going. What was Lock's hand size? Nine. nine inches, right? Yeah, nine. Nine even? Yeah. Oh, God. That's see? Small, there we right? go. Yeah. Oh, see? Here we go. That's no. Tiny. Ooh, that's rough. No, hold on. I, I, I thought you were going to say like nine and three fourths, and I was going to be like, okay, that's we've seen, oh, nine that inches. Woke, even. That, that woke rock up. You took a quarterback hand. There we go. Makes him up. That's rough. But hold on a second, because when I was reading these tweets this morning, and I look, I love this. We always do this. Oh, hand size, blah, blah, blah. The last person I could really remember where they were really critiquing his hand size was Alex Smith. You remember that? Yeah. And this is going back now about 14 right. years. His hand size, I just looked it up. Deshaun Watson. Eight and a half. Deshaun Watson's was, was really small, too, if I remember correctly. But, I want to say look, Deshaun Watson was like nine and a fourth. There are some quarterbacks. Like, I remember, for example, watching the national championship game. And I'm watching Clemson play. And Trevor Lawrence, his hands looked enormous. On, on the football. Oh, yeah. He's, like he was just engulfing six, the football. Six, six, five, whatever. Right, but just enormous hands, and you can see how that would that would help for throwing a football. But with with Drew Locke, you're watching him for four years also throw one of the most beautiful deep balls in all of football. I've, I've never kind of looked at him and said, oh, he has problems with arm strength or throwing the football downfield. That, that's one of his best traits. I agree. Nine, and Watson was nine and three-fourths. So that's way bigger. <laughs> Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, that, that, I mean, that relative three, that three quarters of inches, yeah, is a big deal. Um, honestly, when you look at when you just break it down, just across like the last thirty years, the two biggest indicators of draft success in quarterbacks is hand size and ball speed, and not and it's not. And when I say that, I don't mean that a big, you know, bigger hand size and, and like the highest ball speed are the most successful quarterbacks. My point is that there's a threshold. Where I'm very, I want to say like 30 of the 32 starters in the league the last year are above that threshold, and so it's not that he will fail undoubtedly because he has nine inch hands. Point is, is that the amount of quarterbacks who make it that far and then succeed in the NFL under about I think like nine nine and a half, it's it's a ten you know it's a you know we're talking like a five eight percentage chunk. I get your numbers, and I can appreciate that, but I would also say after the top 15, the rest of them are garbage anyway, so it doesn't matter. Carlos Danger texting in saying, guys, 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 Gardner Minshew's hands are 10 and a fourth. So how about that? It'd be hard for me, though, to... Now, look, could you could you decide between two quarterbacks if you if you like them both equally and you go to hand size? But to me, that's not going to be... Num- my number one, two, three, four, or five. Right. But, but the ball arm? speed is also something you can see on tape. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like these quarterbacks are going to all of a sudden go to the senior bowl, go to the combine, and, oh, my gosh, look at this ball speed. I mean, you have four years of tape on Drew Locke to prove his ball speed, right? I mean, we've yep. seen this for, for four years. Now, of course, you can you can put a gun on him right there, and you can get the exact number. Matt Rocky, is ball speed an issue with Drew Locke? I, I would never think that arm strength I've is never, something I've you never, have to worry I, about with Drew Locke. I have no idea what, what he's going to clock in at. That'll be a combine thing. 32. 
I'm just making up a number. I, <laughs> no, I thought you know it. Really? Okay. Okay. Is that a legit? Didn't no, it? If it's, yeah. No, we, all, no. like, we all turn to look at it. And if it's okay. 32 miles per hour, he will not sniff <laughs> on a, a snap in the NFL. That's on a pitch on a <laughs> on a read option. There. Want to tell everybody about one of our favorite spots, Schnooks. Our friends at Schnooks don't want to bombard you with more messages about how you should lose weight or hit a certain number on a scale. That's enough of that, and I think we already know it. They simply want to make it easy for you if you're looking to be a little more healthy this year. One way they want to do this is to remind you that they have the best fresh produce in town. That's a great place to start. It's the first area you hit when you walk in the door at Schnucks, and it should be first on the healthy grocery list, too. Schnucks also wants you to know about their Simply Slim magazine, available for free at every Schnucks. It is a special January edition that provides 40 healthy and delicious recipes. It's perfect if you're trying to be healthy but want to make it interesting. Also, with hundreds of wines and craft beers to taste and culinary delights around every corner, you're not going to want to miss the 17th annual St. Louis Food and Wine presented by Schnooks. Be part of the largest international food and wine show in the Midwest, now in St. Louis Union Station. Schnooks certified specialists of wine and Cicerones will be there to share their wine and beer knowledge and, of course, to share the wine and beer also. Baker Mayfield, nine and a quarter. Oh, okay. So Baker Mayfield had a pretty good rookie year. Yes. Do we really think nine and a quarter is that big of a difference? That's below the threshold. The nine. Okay, but Alex Smith, and you can say he's an outlier, running quarterback, not the greatest arm strength, game manager, but still eight and a half inch hands. He's made about $100 million playing quarterback in the NFL for about 14 seasons with a couple Pro Bowls. My the only thing there is that I I just wonder, Alex Smith was on that tail end of that era where a guy could still suck for a year or two, and you'd be like, well, he was the first overall pick. We got to stick with him. Now, if a guy sucks as bad as Alex Smith did his first year, it's almost like they barely seem to see the field again. Alex Smith threw like one touchdown and sixteen and eleven interceptions his rookie year. I think it was his 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 breakdown. If you had a quarterback right now come in, play eight games, and throw eleven interceptions to one touchdown, I honestly don't know what a team would do with that first offseason. I think there would be a stark, a much different reaction than the 49ers had to it. But overall, he's had a solid yes, NFL I mean, career. Yeah. Yeah. And you can say, look, he hasn't lived up to number one overall pick, and that's but fair. Even, so that's another outlier. We're talking about three quarters of an inch being a big deal on the other end. Half an inch between eight and a half and nine. That's a huge, that's a huge difference. All right. On that note, one of the worst cliches in all sports, according to MLB Network, it's time for at the end of the day. They're just jealous. They don't have this segment, and we do. Okay, when's the end of the day? At the end of the day, it's going to be tough to tell someone they might not be in it. At the end of the day, even though there's moments where you're like, oh, I I don't want to do this. We have a name change in Major League Baseball coming up after the 2020 season. Miller Park will be no more. Oh, It'll be called the American Family Insurance Ballpark. Eh, I don't like that. AFI Park. I suppose. Yeah. I like Miller Park. Odds are outside of television where you have to actually have the right ballpark name, outside of you doing your TV hits, Chuck, what are the odds you're going to call it AFI Park or just keep calling it Miller Park? I just don't like that because to me, if that park's been around for 10, 15, 20 years, you call it those names and they change. It's like, still like the me, Jake to me. I was just going to say yeah, that. Yeah, it is. Jake, I grew right? up going to games at Jacobs Field and you called it the Jake Kaminsky and now it's Park. What? Is it progressive? I think so. But it's, it's just not Kaminsky the same. Park to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that. That that won't work. Is that does it say how long that thing is signed up for? Uh, you know what? Let they might say after quick. about a year. Yeah, this isn't. We need it to move. It starts on. in 2021. It does not say. Okay. 
how long. Um, there's a press conference later today, so I'm assuming that they'll the ballpark in Milwaukee. The Let's go live. What I'm curious about is, um, did Miller just pull out there? It is interesting because their why naming they would rights deal ended. It was is ending at the end of 2020. So it's curious to me why Miller's not. That just hmm. seems like easy advertising, doesn't it? You would think so, but those beer companies been bought out by so many different conglomerates. You never know who's calling the shots maybe, on that. Maybe Miller Park sees the upcoming labor dispute and realizes they're uh, going to cost them dollars. That could be. Maybe because we already call it the keg. The keg. Maybe they know that so many people will just keep calling it Miller Park that they won't even need to spend for the advertising because it'll take at least, oh. for the national media, it'll take five years to forget that it's Miller Park. And even longer for fans. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning about Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Brett Michaels grew up there. From Poison? From Poison. Lead singer of Poison grew up in Mechanicsburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm also learning about the Frankieburger Tavern in Mechanicsburg, which is the oldest building in the town. One of the first residents was a George Frankieburger, who in 1801 applied for a license to open his newly built log home as a convenience store. He realized that a lot of people would stop there and spend the night, so he found out that it was a little profitable business. This is where it gets interesting. A gentleman went there, and after boasting about in the store and in the tavern, how much money he made trading, retired for the night. Another man, having heard about the gold he possessed, followed him to his room. This is a quote on, on Wikipedia. Cut off his head and stole his money. Legend has it that the headless ghost can sometimes still be, be seen atop the roof of the Frankenberger Tavern, looking out over the roofs of town, searching for the man who stole his gold. Wow. That's interesting. Nice little ghost story. Ooh. A good place to live. <laughs> yes, a good place Mechanics to live. It's a good place oh to live. Oh, my goodness. And I guess possibly die. Die, uh, yes. Um, also, just a book suggestion, because Dr. Rick was talking about how the Apple Watch and Johnson & Johnson yes. are teaming together yeah. to monitor like your pulse and stuff to, to send them directly to your doctor. There's a very interesting book about a company that tried this with your blood, uh, lied Ooh. about it, called Bad Blood. It's a tech company called Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, who saw herself as the next, coincidentally, the next Steve Jobs. Um, how she kind of orchestrated a giant a $10 billion valuation off a product that never worked. Uh, and the fallout from that has been very interesting. So just a book suggestion if you have time. You can what, rent it from your library. What's, what's the name again? Bad Blood. Bad Blood. Okay. Yes. That's the end of the day. All right. That's the end of the day. Real quick before we end the show, because I teased that we have to get to everything we tease. No, we don't. We leave Jim a lot Muir, of stuff on the cutting room I know, story. but I right. tried to. I, I crossed things out in my papers, and if <laughs> I have something left, because we didn't talk Blues goalies, it's the oh. last game before a long break. All-star break. And then the Blues break. They don't play again after Wednesday until Saturday, February 2nd. I said last week, play Binner until he has like three bad games. He he wasn't horrible last night. He certainly wasn't great. I, I still think you should play him. However, I have a feeling the Blues are going to say, oh, with a long break, we don't want Jake to be rusty. So despite the fact that Binner has a 1.96 goals against and a 924 save, Allen has a 3.04 goals against and an 8.97 save. I have a feeling they're going to go to Allen to say we don't want him to sit around for two weeks. Am he's, I wrong? He's great on the road. That's why he's starting today. They're in Anaheim. That's why. But I agree with you. Why not just let Bennington play? He gave up four yesterday. We got Allen. We don't want to let him sit. And he's really good on the road, so we're going to go with Jake Allen. He better play well because Anaheim's terrible. If he lose today, just 
don't even think about the playoffs. Just break it down. All right, that's Jim Heuer. I'm Charlie Marlowe, Brian Hoffman, Matt Rocchio. We have the hard line coming up next. TJ Moe, Bob Ramsey, maybe John Hadley. Good show today, boys. The Hollywood Casino Press Box and the Midday Grind. And uh, I'll be on the morning after tomorrow. So Martin and Frank will be back from their assignment of helping pick out the Cardinals Hall of Famers. They usually have good stories coming out of this. Yes, they do. Actually, Tony, Whitey. And uh, the whole bunch breaking down the uh, the red ribbon panel there for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. All right, hardline coming up next. This has been the Midday Grind on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Bob bringing me down. Congratulations.